Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Mount Olive Church, and welcome to our, my last message in the No Perfect People series that we've been in this fall. And I say it's my last message because next week we have a very special guest, this guy, who's going to be closing out our series. Uh, it was probably eight years ago, Gord, that eight or nine years ago that Gord shared his story in church. And his story is kind of like your story. It's kind of like my story in the sense that it's a story of imperfection and God's work of uh, redeeming. And uh, although his story of imperfection, uh, we all have kind of a similar story, yet it's different, right? My area of struggles may be different than yours, and yours is different than the next person. And so Gord shared his story, and uh, when we started this series back in September, he came up after like the first or second week. He's like, Elvin, if you're okay, I wouldn't mind, you know, sharing the ongoing story of what God's continuing to do and kind of wrap it into a message. And I was super stoked because I'm like, Gord's an awesome guy in the sense that God's doing awesome work in his life and continuing to do a work as he does in, on all of us. So I was super excited, but I was also like a little apprehensive. And the reason is um, probably for like eight years, Gord was my next door neighbor. So he's got a lot of dirt on me. And I'm like, pictures. he's got pictures. Yeah. So I was like, I can't let this, I can't give the mic to him. Right. That's just, so we signed a waiver. He's not going to share anything. And, uh, not, no stories about my kids. I have a unique parenting style, and so he's got lots of stories about my kids, and you know. So, but yeah, we're super excited. So next week, you cannot miss. Got to come and hear the close of this series as Gord shares. So we're excited about that. Um, yeah, so come next week. Well, one of the things in this series, probably this series has caused you to ask some questions. It's probably left you with some questions. Uh, there's a number of questions we can't all get to, but I think there there is a question that comes up from this series. And probably you've had this question as you think of this idea of no perfect people allowed. Now, before we get to the question, some of you are brand new to us this week or you just kind of, you're maybe like me, you can't remember what happened yesterday. So you're like, what was this series even on? So let me just, you know, give a, a quick uh, rewind and let's just kind of go through and catch up where we've been at in this series. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but every message I preached in this series, I started the same way. I don't know if you're like, this guy starts every message the same, but I did. No, you didn't because you forget week to week. So I started every message the same and it kind of went like this. We all have a sense. It's a human thing. We have a sense that there's a bar, there's a level, there's a standard, there's something we have to get to to measure up as it relates to God. And we have this sense that I just don't think I quite measure up. That there's this, this, this sense in me that I just don't have what it takes. But here's the amazing part of what we've been learning in this series, that although... We can't reach the standard, whatever, you know, that standard before God. Although we can't reach the standard, the standard's always within reach. This has been the amazing thing in this series, that there's this standard. We know we can't reach it, but the standard is always within reach, and here's why. Because you have a heavenly Father who's within reach. You have a heavenly Father, and in all the ways we can't and we couldn't, God did and God does and God continues to do. This is the amazing thing of this series is, is in this series, we've been looking at how our inadequacy, what happens when it bumps up against the adequacy of our God, although we couldn't, God did and God does and he continues to do. And it's all him. And here's some of the ways that we've kind of, we, we get the sense that maybe we don't measure up, that we're not enough. We've looked at the fact that, you know, I, I just don't know that I'm good enough. 
Maybe that's you. I just don't know if I'm good. I don't know if I'm right enough before God. Like surely he's got a standard of goodness, a standard of rightness. I think I just fall short. I'm not sure that I'm gifted enough. God calls me and God calls you. He calls us to some things. It's like, I don't know if I have the gift. And we talked about this idea of being ungifted, right? It's like, some of you are like, that's me. I'm ungifted. It's like, I don't know if I have enough faith, right? I mean, I just, I'm not a super faith person. I just, I just have so little. How much faith do you even need, right? We talked about that. We looked at, I don't have enough resources. We talked about this a few weeks ago, this idea of lack, right? I just lack, I, I'm lacking. And last week, Al brought a great message. Just, I'm, I'm just not old enough or I'm, I'm too old, right? I don't have what it takes because I'm not old enough or I'm too old. And so we, we get these ideas that we just don't quite measure up. It gives us the sense that although we can't reach the standard, the standard is within reach because God makes up the gap in all of the ways that we aren't what we think we should be or what we think God may be thinks we should be. And God makes up the difference. You know, we could have talked about a whole bunch of other areas of ways that we feel like we're not enough. Like maybe I'm just not bold enough. And we could have looked at, you know, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who was called a secret disciple, if that's even a thing. Like, are you allowed to be that? And yet God used him in amazing ways. We could have looked at, you know, feeling like we're not successful enough and Elijah and how he didn't feel like he was successful enough, that God does his work regardless of our feeling. Because God makes up the gap. In all the ways we couldn't, God did, God does, and he continues to do. You know, one of the things we looked at in the series as well, we looked at the story of the prodigal son, which is actually a story of two lost sons. We always focus on the younger son who ran away and squandered his wealth and wild living and all this stuff. But it's the elder brother who misses out on the party. And we realize that in the series of no perfect people allowed, our idea that we are perfect thinking that we are perfect actually keeps us out from God as well. But this leaves us with a question which I referenced earlier. And the question is this, if we aren't perfect enough and we never could be and it's all God anyways, and even if we thought we were perfect enough, we would fall short, what's the goal? What is it in the Christian life that we're aiming for? What are we shooting at? What's the goal of the Christian life? If we, if we can't be, is, is the goal less faith? Like I'm never gonna have enough faith anyway, so just go for less, right? I, I'll never be gifted enough, so just go for less gifting. I'll never have the resources, so just, just seek less resources. What is the goal? I'm never gonna be good enough, so just try not to be good at all. What's the goal? Well, it's interesting. Jesus actually gives us the answer. You, you wanna hear the answer of what the goal, the bullseye is for those who follow Jesus? I don't think you're ready. You think you're ready, but the moment I say it, you're going to be like, nah, I wasn't ready. Go back, a slide, we don't want to hear that again. Because here's what Jesus says. This is Jesus, this isn't me. Don't, you get mad and storm out, but this is Jesus, okay? This is the goal of the Christian life of, the, of those who follow Jesus. He said this in Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect. I didn't make that up. You can look in your Bible, okay? You can read it in Greek, Hebrew, whatever version you want. I don't care. It says, be perfect. It, it gets worse, though. He says this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. <laughs> this isn't like be humanly perfect. It's like be God perfect. Okay, there's that standard that we can't reach, right? But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't making this up. It wasn't like he slipped once. He said something. He's like, ah, I didn't mean that. Never mind. One of his closest followers, his follower Peter, years later would come along and he would say something 
almost the exact same, very similar. Peter says it this way. As he's under the power of the Holy Spirit writing, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's a quote from the Old Testament, which means God actually spoke this before Jesus came in the flesh. He said, be holy as I am holy. Jesus said, be perfect. Now, to give you the context of this, when Jesus said be perfect, he was saying be perfect in the context of love. You can read about it in Matthew 5. He's just talked about, I want you to love. In fact, I want you to love even your enemies and those who persecute you. I want you to love even those that don't deserve your love because here's why, your heavenly father's loved you. And he loves people like that. So be perfect. Be just like your heavenly father in the way you love. And then in Peter's context, when he's writing this, he's writing it in regards to sin, the old sinful nature. In the way that you live your lives, be holy. The word holy means set apart, be different. Just like God is not, does not sin, he doesn't lie, he's not dishonest. Since God is a, a perfect as it relates to sin, so be set apart like your heavenly father. Be different. Be holy as I'm holy. And now you're getting those feelings of anxiety again, right? We've spent this whole series, this whole series, tearing down that wall of anxiety, right? It's like, I'm just not enough. And every week it's like, don't worry, God makes up the difference. And we all had this massive exhale like, oh, thank you. And then at the end of the series, here's Pastor Elvin just loading the guilt on again, right? There you go, walk out, series is done. You got the guilt back, we're good to go. Not really, but kind of, but not really, okay? Here's the thing, Jesus said this. When Jesus said this, and when Peter said this, what he was saying is, listen, I know maybe you're not gonna hit it every time, but in the Christian life, there's still a target. There's still something you shoot for. Because here's the deal, if you aim for nothing, guess what you'll hit every time? Nothing, unless you get really lucky once, right? If you aim for nothing, you'll hit nothing every time. And here's what, when Jesus says be perfect, he's not like, well, if you, you weren't, you know, you're out. He's like, aim for perfection and love. Love like your heavenly father. When Peter says be holy, he says, be holy like your heavenly father. He's gonna make up the difference, but there's still a calling for you to live into, to aim, to be different from the world, different, set apart from the passions of your fleshly desires. And so it's like, this is what you aim for. Now, does that mean you'll hit it every time? No, but you may hit it sometimes. You'll get closer and God will begin to refine you more and more and it's his power and his spirit that does it. You know, it's interesting, the apostle Paul talks about this tension in the Christian life that you're not, but you're still aiming to. And he talks about this as he writes a letter to the church in Rome. The church in Rome, these Christians were, were probably wrestling with some of the same things we wrestle with. If it's all God, then what part do we have? If it's all God, does it matter how we live? Maybe a question you've wondered. If it's all God, what is it we're even aiming for? And here's what Paul writes as it relates to this idea of holiness, of being set apart from sin. He says this, Romans 6, if you have Bibles, follow along. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? I mean, this is a question we've just been asking, right? So does it matter? If God makes it all up and he talks about grace, grace is a gift, it's undeserved favor, it's something we've been given, that God has given us. If you've read Romans at all, Paul has spent the first number of chapters talking about we all fall short, there's a standard God has, we can't make it, but don't worry, God made up the difference and by faith in Jesus, you are given perfect rightness with God. Perfect righteousness, you're given Jesus' righteousness. 
So it's like, you don't have it, but here's a gift and you receive it by faith. Nothing you do. But then the question is, well then, if it's not about what we do, does it matter what we do? Does it even, can, can we just live however we want? And, that, and that's the question. We're not under law. You can't get to God by following the law. You can't get to God by doing enough good works. So does it matter? Because we're under grace. And Paul says, by no means. We shall not just keep sinning. By no means. Uh-uh-uh. Because here's the deal. You cannot work your way into salvation, but salvation works. You cannot work your way. There is nothing you can do to earn or work your way into salvation. But here's the truth about salvation. Salvation works, and that, that has two meanings, actually. works. It does something. It changes something. And guess what? It actually works. It's actually a good thing. And as, as Paul goes into, hey, here's the aim, and we think, we have this tendency to think, well, if the aim, if the aim is to perfection, if the aim is to live a different life, that's a weight I have to carry. And Paul says, ah, let me turn that upside down. This isn't because God's against you. This is for his goodness. Salvation is something that starts now, and it actually works for you. It's for your good. Living into it is for your good. Here's how he says it. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. So let me just talk to you about how this all works. And Paul says, slavery is not an option. Now we hear the word slavery and we're like, what is Paul saying? Is he endorsing slavery? No, Paul is not endorsing slavery. What Paul is saying is, let me describe for you how slavery works. Now they lived in a slavery culture. We don't live in a slavery culture, right? Slavery has been... Uh, abolished. We don't have slavery in Canada. I mean, for the most part, we, we just, we look down on slavery. In the Roman uh, world, their entire economy was built on slaves. There were millions of slaves. You were either a slave, a slave owner, or you knew some slaves. I mean, this is, this was so common and so foreign to us, but this was so true for him. But I'm glad that he describes how slavery works because this is foreign to us, right? And here's how he says slavery works. When you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are enslaved. When you obey, you're enslaved. In essence, to put this in our terms, slaves obey, that's what they do. That's how you define slavery. And what you obey is what you're enslaved to. Slaves obey, that's what it means to be a slave. But Paul reverses the argument and says, now, what, you're, what you obey is what you are actually enslaved to. Here's how he says it. When you offer yourselves uh, to someone as obedient slaves because you're obeying and he reverses the argument, you are now enslaved. You are a slave to the one you obey. Let me uh, put this in terms maybe we can understand because some of you are like, I'm not a slave. Come on, I'm free. I mean, didn't, we live in a democracy. There's no slavery. I'm not a slave. Let me put this in kind of childish terms and you know, just have some fun with it. So, you know, every time you see that speed limit sign on the road, according to Paul's argument, every time you follow that speed limit sign, he would say, your obedience means you're a slave to the sign. You're a slave, right? It's like you obey the sign, you're a slave to the sign because slavery is obedience and you're obeying the sign. And you might even say the person who put the sign, the governing authority, well, we don't want to get into government and slavery. And, but here's the deal, you're, you're a slave. 
And maybe it, because we're kind of like anti that, and we're, I'm not a slave. And we say, I'm free from that kind of slavery. I am not a slave to the sign, right? I'm not a slave to the people who put it there. I am free. And maybe, and you know, and this is just made up, don't worry. Some of you are like, oh man, I'm, I'm really like, I'm a slave? I don't know. So you're like, I'm, not, I'm gonna drive my own speed limit, right? I'm no slave, I drive my own speed. And you just choose to drive whatever speed you want. But here's what Paul would say in regards to his argument about slavery. Sure, you're no longer a slave to the sign, but guess who you just became a slave to? you because you're obeying you and you're obeying your own desire see according to Paul's argument when you obey you're a slave and you're enslaved to the one you obey and then he says here's kind of the two kinds of slavery that I'm going to talk about and he kind of alternates between the two over the next number of verses he says whether you're a slave to sin which leads there's outcomes to every kind of slavery a slave to sin which leads to death or a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness, question mark. Meaning, who are you a slave to? There's really two kinds of slavery. Slavery isn't optional. Because the definition of slavery is obedience, and you obey someone or something, don't you? So the question is, who are you a slave to? And what are the outcomes of your slavery? But he's writing to Christians, so now he's like, ah, 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 but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, as those who have put their faith in Jesus, everything's changed. You have now come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, meaning you have a master, which means you're a slave. And you used to be a slave to sin, But now, because you put your faith in Jesus, you have taken on a new master. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are a slave. You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching, a new kind of slavery. And then he talks about this. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. See, there's still slavery. You can be slave to sin or you can be a slave to rightness. You can be a slave to sin, your old nature. You can be a slave to your heavenly father. And Paul goes on, he's kind of chuckling at himself, I think. He's like, this is so, I don't know, it's funny using this argument. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Now let's go into where this all leads. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, as you were enslaved to your own desires and your own sinful nature, you just gave yourself you were obedient to impurity. You were obedient to wickedness. You just gave, like, this was, this was good, right? So now, because you put your faith in Jesus, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And then Paul, he kind of jumps back and forth. He says, now let me break out a little bit. Let me extend out a little bit where each kind of slavery leads. First one, when you are slaves to sin, You are free from the control of righteousness. Think about that. (laughs) When you were a slave to sin, you were free from the control of doing anything right. Right? You just didn't have to. You were free from that. When you were were in sin, you were free from that control. where Where does this lead? Here's what he says. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. And here's an interesting comment and concept that Paul points out. What benefit did you reap? And the reality is, and you know this, 
When you live to your old self, when you live to your sinful nature self, when you just do what feels good, the, 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 the benefit is pretty immediate, right? I mean, let's be honest. If we can be honest in church, it feels good. It feels really good to let bitterness well up in me. I mean, they don't deserve forgiveness. They haven't earned forgiveness, and I'm not giving it. It just feels good. In fact, it feels good. I don't know if you've ever slandered someone or gossiped about something, but in the moment, it feels so good. They deserve it. They had it coming to them. It feels so good to give yourself to sexual immorality, right? To be with someone and give yourself to someone in the moment, it feels so good. And there's this kind of immediate payoff. It feels so good to just give yourself to your anger, to just lose control. In the moment, it just feels so good. You just gotta let it out, right? It feels so good. But here's the thing. In time, aren't those things the very things you're ashamed to tell people? What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that now, looking back, you're like, oh, shoot, I did that? See, there's parts of your story and there's parts of my story that we don't want to tell people when we tell our stories. Isn't that true? There's parts of our story that we just kind of skip over because although it felt so good in the moment, we're ashamed because here's the it led to what? It led to a death in you? It led to a death in a relationship? If it was a premarital giving yourself to someone, it led to a, a, a brokenness even before you ever married the person you were gonna marry and give yourself fully to them? You lost something, didn't you? It led to death. But likewise, Paul goes on. There's another kind of slavery and this is the good news. We think of slavery as, as bad. And Paul's like, no, no, no. We're all slaves. But there's a different kind of slavery and it has different outcomes. But now that you have been set free, set free from sin and have become slaves, <laughs> not free from slavery. You've been set free from sin. You've become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness which is the outworking, I talked about salvation works. Holiness is the outworking of salvation. It's something that is happening to us right now. And the result is eternal life. Not something you're just gonna get later, something that starts now. See, if we could sum up all that Paul has been talking about, he's talking about true freedom is actually slavery to God. True freedom, the very thing that you seek and the thing that you chase and the thing that you want. Because none of us, want to be enslaved to something that kills us. The very thing that you're looking for can only be found in the person of God, in your creator, your heavenly father. And here's the thing, every time you and every time I seek freedom, seek joy, seek happiness, seek peace in ways that are not God's way, it only ends in one kind of slavery. But every time we seek joy and peace and happiness in God's way, when we enslave ourselves to him, we find the true freedom that we've been looking for all along. So Paul, sum this up for us, right? Because like you jump back and forth from we're slaves to sin and then now we're slaves to righteousness and then this is the outcome. Just sum it all up. And Paul, you know, I like to sum up messages because it just helps us remember 
Paul liked to sum up messages too. Here's how Paul summed this whole kind of passage up. And it's one of the most famous verses in scripture. You probably have heard this passage and this verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages, sin pays out every time and it always pays out the same. Sin, when you're enslaved, when you obey sin and sinful nature, it always pays out the same. It brings death, separation. But the wages, the gift of God, the gift of God, it's not something you can earn. It's a gift. It's not something you deserve because it's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But here's where I think some of us as believers, and if you're not a believer, maybe you don't quite connect with this, but some of us who are believers, we get this idea of eternal life all wrong. We see eternal life, we see the kingdom of God, we see the the good things, we see it as something that's coming. Yes, it's coming. But when Jesus talked about the kingdom, when Jesus talked about eternal life, when Paul talked about eternal life, it wasn't just something we're waiting for, it's something that starts now. And when Paul talked about this gift of eternal life, it was the gift that we receive in Jesus, and it's something we live into now, which means... We don't just say, well, Jesus, I put my faith in you. Now I'll live how I want and one day I'll get heaven. No, heaven starts now. The kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of heaven is here now. We live into eternal life now. Does that mean we live fully? We get it perfectly now? No, we will see it in its fullness one day, but it begins now. And when Paul's talking about this, in the context he's been talking about, he says, you get to step into slavery now, a new kind of slavery. It's a slavery that brings freedom because it's slavery to your heavenly father. Eternal life begins now. True freedom. True freedom. The freedom you've been looking for is slavery to your heavenly father. So I want to ask you today, and here's the question, one of the questions, I have two who, are you, who or to what are you enslaved to? As Paul defined it. So the question becomes, who are you enslaved to? What are you obeying? What gets rule and authority in your life? Who or what are you enslaved to? And I want to give an opportunity, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus... And you hear this, this good message that there's a new kind of slavery. You, you don't get to pick slavery. You just get to pick which one. And finally, you're like, there's a new kind of living. And I can be made right with God. And God makes up the difference between him and I. I want to give you an opportunity to receive that. And to do that, you simply admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus as your Savior, which means, God, I can't get to you. I can't work my way into salvation. So I put my faith in Jesus who has done it on my behalf. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus as your Savior. And then commit your life to following him. That means once you receive eternal life, you start to live into it. Salvation starts to work its way, uh, way through you. You commit yourself to following Jesus means you have a new master. You live into the true freedom that Jesus has given you. Live into the gift that you've already received. If that's you today, I want to invite you just to to pray and just ask God to, to, uh, to, to release you of your sin. 
and to give you the righteousness of Jesus. And if you don't know what that all looks like or you have questions, I want to invite you to come talk to me after the service or, or find someone you know who knows Jesus and say, what does it mean to step into life? And they will help you walk through that. But there's another aspect to this. See, those of us who have received Jesus, and this is where Paul was getting at, what do we do now? What does it look like to step into life? And as Christians, we often compartmentalize our lives, right? It's like, okay, Jesus, I give you this area and this area, but yeah, what me and her do together, that's, that's just my area. I'm gonna do what I want. Uh, what, my money, that's, that's my money. I'm gonna do what I want. With my attitude, that's my attitude. You can have these areas, God, but I'm gonna do what I want. And we compartmentalize our lives and we still live in slavery. And so here's, so, so what areas are you enslaved to to yourself, what areas are you saying, God, I still want to do it my way rather than yours? And maybe you're wrong. I don't even know. How do I know if I'm doing it my way or God's way? Well, Paul actually gives us an interesting kind of litmus test, a question that we can ask, I think, to help us discern what parts of our lives we're compartmentalizing and saying, I'm just going to do this my way. And it has to do with what story we're going to tell one day, the things that we're going to be ashamed of. So I want to leave you with this question. What parts of your current story will you skip over one day when you tell your story? What parts of your current story? One day when you have kids, one day when you have grandkids, and your kids and grandkids are going to be like, mom, dad, tell me about when you Tell me about when you were growing up and you're going to tell them all the fun things and then there's going to be that season you're just going to skip over and they won't even know. But what parts of your story are you going to skip over one day? And here's the deal. Maybe you're older and you're like, well, I, I, I've already done. I, I've already done things. Here's the deal. What you've done, you can't undo and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to worry about that. God has forgiven that if you brought that to the cross. What I'm talking about are the things right now the things in your current life that you have some say in. And God is nudging you right now in this message saying, hey, there's some things I want you to change. And maybe you're older. Here's the deal. Even if you're not gonna tell your grandkids or your kids, one day we all stand before our heavenly father and all the things that were done in secret will be brought to light. And as God says, hey, what about your story? What are the things you're gonna be tempted to say? Ah, let's just skip over that. And God's like, no, it's why not deal with that now? Because here's the freedom. Here's the true freedom that's slavery to God. When you give yourself to God, guess what? You sleep at night in peace. There's not things that you're thinking, oh, I gotta hide this from. Oh, I hope they don't find out. So I wanna ask you, what parts of your story right now are you gonna be tempted to skip over one day? And God in his mercy, in his mercy has said, hey, we can deal with this now so that you can sleep at night, so that you can live into true freedom rather than the slavery of living into the things that you're gonna be ashamed of later. Why not live into that freedom? See, the goal of the Christian life, the goal is though we can't be perfect and we will make mistakes, the bullseye, the target is to be like Jesus. And that means to allow God to transform us and by his spirit to change us into his image. And in all the ways we fall short, as we've talked about in this whole series, who makes up the difference? Your heavenly father. But your heavenly father wants to give you eternal life that starts now, to let you walk into freedom now, 
to let you sleep at night now. It's not that, well, I gave my life to Jesus, now I can live how I want because you're gonna be ashamed later. Why not to live into freedom now? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. And as your word has challenged us today, it's caused us maybe think internally and to be sensitive to your spirit who's nudging us and saying, here's some things. Here's some things. And, and we know that there's, there's a, a nudging in us that comes from the evil one who says, look what you did in the past, you fall short. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there's nudges from you that says, here's some things right now that I want you to, I want to see transformed. Invite me in to help you work through this thing. So God, as you nudge us in those areas, may we be receptive. Would you give us the wisdom to know what to do? And then the courage, and sometimes it's courage to go tell someone to to do this in community because we can't fix ourselves. This is not just us and God, it's us and God and, and your body, which is the church. So give us the courage to go out and do it. To step into obedience. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.